Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With LuckyLandSlots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Well, get white people people out of the slums. Oh, we're going to get into the racism. To what my grandmother had passed away or something, because it was. You take a fistful of this. She's dead. She's gone. She's dead. Or something else. That is, I bet that helps with birth control. She teaches budget. I've been to where she teaches. It does not help. Oh, this is Anna Ellison. <laughs> that was that was just Walter Cronkite serious. That's all. Is that not right? Well, that was good. That's your name. Yeah. My name. Okay. One that I would I wish we would do at some point would be talking about laughter, humor, mm-hmm. taking humor back. When, when was the first joke? We could make it. All right, come up with some joke about Adam and Eve. That was the I first one. There was a joke. Oh, you do. Come yeah. Do you want it now? Yeah. Sure. All right. So. Funny. I uh, yeah. Anyway, so um like. Uh, Someone's in heaven, and but they have to get past St. Peter and the pearly gates. And I don't know. No, like somebody was quizzing like Adam and Eve and uh, somebody else. And the first person, they're like, oh, what's your favorite color? And or, they're like, what is, oh, gosh, uh, you know what? I'll write it up. Yeah. I remember the punch. When they killed St. Peter, they crucified him upside down. Really? And then he apparently smiled because... The world was upside down, but now with him upside down, it looked right side up. That's deep. But also, probably n- none of that actually happened. Probably. <laughs> so <laughs> so just sitting with a dead man bleeding out of his limbs with the blood flowing to his head. And it's like, what's going on, Peter? Supposedly, yeah, he, was, he didn't think he was worthy of dying like Jesus did. My thought is... God so loved the world that he, he crucified his son. I'm sorry, God don't love me so much. This I is, believe there's a God, but uh, every time I pray and I say, please listen to those people in Ukraine, God. Please listen to them. Yeah. This is a good lead-in to what we're talking about today. Oh. Jim's like, what? That is one thin thread there. You go right ahead. Cat <laughs> Young, another third wheel. We're going to talk about the history of home economics in America. Yeah, and I'm Jim Hoos, and I'm really excited because I did a search and it turns out we are going to be the first podcast discussing the 2021 hit show, Home Economics, that premiered on ABC. It stars really? Topher Grace. <laughs> um, it is a wonderful watch. Topher Grace, yeah, wonderful. See, I will tell you that I was frustrated by that because as I'm looking up stuff about Home Economics, all it kept doing was giving me that TV show. And I'm like, but I've got to get some substance here. I finally so. I finally started searching by the new name that it came up with in the 90s to regentrify itself, mm-hmm. rebrand itself. It changed its name to Family and Consumer Services or Sciences. And that made a big difference in finding stuff that wasn't crazy. I'm going to be quite honest. The segue is home economics was really started during the progressive era in America. And I think it's really important to discuss the progressive era because that's where all these ideas came to create home ec. Not the home ec we know now, which is, I don't know, I, we all have, what do you think of home ec now? It's like doilies and... Well, we really don't even, we haven't even talked about what home ec is. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. What do you think it is? Home ec was when I was in junior high or middle school as it has now been changed. It was Mrs. Mercer teaching us about how to cook and sew and great and wonderful things. It has changed. I uh, have a friend of mine who teaches in a public school in Akron, Ohio, and when I listen to her curriculum, I'm like, wow, I wish I'd have had you as a teacher. Now it's co-ed, so it's a different world. 
Jim, what yeah. do you know about yeah. home economics? Uh, I know that it is the only real dual major you can get in universities because you get your degree in home economics while at the same time preparing for your degree, your MRS degree. But when you went to school, uh, being the youngest here, was what were they calling it and what was it in your school? At our school, they didn't have home economics. You had a cooking class. You had a sewing class. They were separate. Oh. Yeah, huh? so there were people that certainly took all of them. It was split up around uh, four classes, and if you took the business component, it would be about five. The business component? Like what? Balancing checkbooks? Doing taxes? What's yeah, that just, about? Yeah, it was like an intro to business, but cool. there was an emphasis on doing uh, learning taxes. Cool. Filling out resumes, things like that. Yeah. This book that uh, Kat and I both uh, took a look at, and I can't remember the title, so the title is... The Secret History of Home Ec by Danielle Durlinger. And what she talks about, which is something I guess I wouldn't have even thought of this angle, is the role that the home economics person, the one who's got the master's degree or the undergraduate degree in this, and how they have changed so many things mm -hmm. regarding day-to-day -day life they put organization to i'll let yeah, you fill it yeah. in we have a container store thanks to them <laughs> that's right martha stewart got all her her fun savvy stuff from there that's why we have bowls all over my house for tchotchkes so the so Kate, well, well, real quick what was your home economics oh like, i just had briefly. an amazing teacher did you, I, I wrote down like i was thinking about all the things we learned some were silly some were fun we definitely first aid interior design. I had a blast with that one. As you can see, my beautiful and lovely home. It is. What else? Fun things we did. I learned how to make, uh, turn sugar into caramel. That was cool. And we learned how to store food. I know not to put the eggs in the door because that's actually very bad for them because it's always hot, cold, hot, cold, hot, cold. You told me that you learned how to do tax preparation. Yes, we it's did. pretty amazing. Yeah, we learned how to do, yeah, I had a really good home ec program. I don't know how I became so lucky. Miss McCarthy actually wrote a cookbook. She was pretty amazing and we went, we started with quick, we learned how to measure, we went to quick breads, we learned to meat and we did it all. It was awesome. One of my favorite things, I still can't knit this, you're a knitter. Mm. I still can't knit, but one of the favorite things I learned was what, do you remember this in the 80s? What season you are? Oh yes. I'm a fall, what are you? I am a winter. <gasps> yes, you are. I can see that, Jim. I, I don't. I didn't learn my seasons. He strikes me as maybe a winter. And what this is that you no. they take a look at your hair, your skin color, and your eye color, and they decide what what color range you should stay within. So I'll tell you a funny story. I worked. This is when I worked as a, a floor nurse. So I worked a twelve-hour shift, and I'd get off the elevator, and this nurse that I worked with was really into this color stuff. Oh, no. So she'd say, "Oh." Hi there, Anna. And it would be like my, I would wear a shirt that was not the right color. The worst part is when she thought that my hair color that I had colored that was the wrong shade for my face. I, I'm like going weeks with this hair color. What The worst part would be if it was a shirt that didn't match, it would be like the whole day. Oh my God, that was ridiculous when I worked with her because you were either on the right season or you were off. I'll tell you, she was a little off on many things. But. Oh my gosh, Anna, and that's a shame because I was thinking like, I remember we spent like a good two weeks on this. Thanks. Yeah, like it was a good two weeks and I, you know, really like, oh, this color green is better than this color green because I have red undertones and, but then at the end, I remember there was a line like, what you'll notice is that you're attracted to the colors that look good on you. I'm like, fuck, why don't we just start with that? <laughs> I like this color, I will wear it. <laughs> but... So we went off on a tangent, Jim. Are you surprised? I am not surprised, okay. but then again, we we we've, but then again, we are dedicating because we did this for two weeks of research, dedicating to teaching kids how to sew. Aww. Now, granted, HOMAC has left the common educational practice in a lot of schools. Universities are dropping the program. Boy, why would anyone not want to go to school to learn how to sew for a semester? But nonetheless. Because the internet has taken over. Yeah, thank because God for YouTube. Because the amazing thing about the modern world is we overlook that, you know what? When you couldn't look this stuff up online and whoever in your family knew how to sew or cook wasn't around, you just did not learn how to sew or cook until somebody told you. Jim hit the nail on the head there because that's what was going on. Picture this. I, I was thinking about this. I'm going to be like the old lady. What's her name from uh, Golden Girls? Picture this. Estelle right? Getty, right? Yeah. Picture this. New York. 1850. <laughs> <laughs> Dirty, filthy, 
<laughs> Nobody went to school. Everybody, all the kids were in the factories. Everyone was poor, had pinworm, disgusting. <laughs> then some really, the progressive movement started, and that's where I said it came out of uh, Christianity, and Andrew Carnegie wrote this cool book about how, hey, I'm rich and I'm successful. It is my Christian duty to help other people become better and really different from how it is now. It was the progressive movement and they believed in education would help design this beautiful thing called the middle class. They were going to create this thing called a middle class and get people out of the slums. Well, get white, pe- get white people out of the slums. Oh, we're going to get into the racism. We'll get in. <laughs> I'm trying to create a beautiful rainbow. Okay, a beautiful rainbow right now. We'll get into, a, we'll get into the eugenics later. Anyway, I think that another piece of this is that there was not, there were not many colleges that were taking in women. You Absolutely. couldn't really sign up for taking math or engineering. Mm-hmm. So this is studying home economics was what women were allowed to do. They did before they changed that. I was really surprised. Some of them had to take an entire year of chemistry. Yes. And these were some pretty heavy duty courses these women took. And then the problem was that these women possibly then could not find good paying jobs because their man doing an equal job would get two to three times more money. So that's an old story. Two to three times more. That must be a heck of a high paid woman for the era. Yes, yeah. true. A lot of them, how many of the people in this book, they just volunteered? Uh, the woman that started it. Catherine Beecher, or as I like to call her, Catherine Bitcher. Yeah. <laughs> what an unlikable person. Katie B. Tell us about Katie B. Yeah. But yeah, so that, the progressive yeah. movement, it was all about education, science, and helping people, stopping people from being poor and dirty and making a middle class and just like the perfect white person. Well, Go yeah, ahead. I'm not a big fan of Catherine Beecher because <laughs> my mom raised me right. Or as they say in New Jersey, my mom raised me fucking right. <laughs> but uh, Why do you like worship New Jersey? What's that about? Wife's family's from New Jersey. Oh. My sister's ex-boyfriend's family's from New Jersey. My brother's soon-to-be wife is from New Jersey, so no matter where I can go, there's somebody for me to make fun of that's from New Jersey. Yeah. And then so it's uh, really just taken off right now. We've talked about it. At my job, I talk to people from Hawaii, New Orleans, Louisiana, and New Jersey. And it is. I'll, they'll be like, it's like the stereotypical, they'll be like, yeah, I need to talk to you about my rate. Yeah. <laughs> the meatloaf. Okay. So New Jersey. Katie B. Okay. okay. I don't think Katie B has anything to do with New Jersey. She's from East Hampton, yes. New York. Okay. So she was from the Beecher family. They were incredibly religious. And then they were also opposed to slavery, this family. Now, they didn't like black people. They just disliked that they were property. Right. What time frame are you in? She was that? born in 1880, died in 1878. But uh, her sister, Catherine Beecher Stowe's Wait, Uncle Tom's... 1880 Ca- to 1878? Oh, sorry. 1800. I was going to say, I, I, time travel. <laughs> Born in 1800, died in... She didn't want to... She's I don't want to age, goddammit. <laughs> 1878. So, she yes. But she's Harriet Beecher Stowe's sister, who wrote Uncle Tom's Cabin, which is a which was one of the uh, literary works that kind of inspired the uh, abolitionist movement. So, I like how you called it, the abolitionist movement. Okay. Now, while they were abolitionists, the Beechers... We're not suffragettes. In fact, staunch opponents to it. Catherine, they, they were not a big fan of suffragettes. And in fact, Catherine Beecher is really famous for saying that a woman's place is in the home and that her duty is to raise men, to raise boys to be great men, while a woman's job is to stay in the home. But nonetheless, she created those. But went on to become home economics because she felt so strongly about how a woman could really rule the world from her kitchen. And I love how the fact that she was never married and it was like independently wealthy. Yeah, back in the day, (laughs) back in the day, that's, she really lucked out as what was clearly a lesbian because she was engaged, her fiance died, and she was like, I'm done. Yeah. She was like, I cashed out. Yeah, that's right. I got... I could just tell people my fiance died and I never want to marry again, so... Black is slimming, right? Yeah, no real evidence to say she was a member of the LGBT community. But it is interesting that she has all this money, she is famous for writing this great book, and she had no husband or kid to take care of. Huh, I wonder what that's about. Some people say she probably murdered her husband before they got married. (laughs) Sorry, I just did a Fox News thing. Okay. (laughs) 
because that is handy. I just, I'm watching the Poisoner's Handbook and on uh, public television, and it's all about basically you could poison anyone and get away with it before about 1910. So that's where my mind went. Sorry, Jim. But yeah, and but then there's also so really home ec. I, in its noble pursuit of making everyone middle class and healthy, it was just, it was, and they wanted, it was really into education. It was, Catherine Beecher sounds like she was a fun character, but. Granted, it was like the 1850s. There was right. no such thing as fun. The highlight of your days would sometimes be tripping and scraping your knee and you're like, I can take a break. This was a really but, smart woman that didn't have other avenues that would have been allowed for women back then. So mm. she was a trailblazer. Well, she didn't have the other avenues because she herself was saying women should not do things. And really, Danielle Drelinger's book, it really takes off with the founder. She really goes, all right. Okay, so of course there's Catherine Beecher. She wrote the first home ec book, and it was by default. She was, I guess, she had lost her school that she had started in Utah or something. So she was couch surfing, whatever they called mm-hmm. couch surfing, and couch surfing in 1850, and she wrote this book about how to be a proper housewife, and it became like the book, right, of the time. Yeah, well, she was couch surfing off her dad's couch, but. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, nice. But then Ellen H. Richards comes along, 1908. She founded the Home Ec Association. She was the absolute chemistry nerd. She went to MIT. And I love how she went to MIT, but she went for free because it was audit only. Because and it was basically because women couldn't get credit. Women could not. It was basically like the the dean was like, "You can come in, but I, I can't give you credit because if somebody says anything, I don't want to get in trouble. I can just go. Well, I don't know. She's just sitting there. I don't know. <laughs> it was but yeah. But then again, it was at this era the T in MIT, which stands for technology, was wood. So, really? <laughs> not much to really learn. They were uh, ex- extra, uh, electrocuting themselves, putting it on their nipples. <laughs> yeah, it hurts. Oh, God, help us all. But, yeah, she really, Home Ec, in its noble beginning, until it turned into this 70s weird anti-feminist thing, was about, all about giving women access to hard sciences in a way that they could get into school because if you tried to take a class on chemistry you were told not to take chemistry if you said you wanted to learn about food and baking and how to make good soil for crops that's all right that's all right and if you wanted to learn like architecture no but you could learn sewing and how to put a whalebone in a corset or something but also back then what was there to even learn in chemistry they didn't even know atoms could explode until a hundred years later. Well, you know, and then well, um, atoms exist. Well, with the progressive movement, of course, education was a big deal, and they started all these freaking state schools everywhere. Yeah, and it was actually they called them farm schools. Like you could go and get your like Ohio State. The Ohio State started out as basically a farm school. You went there for agriculture. Yeah, Texas A and M agriculture and M machinations. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> machinations. <laughs> Mama, <laughs> my tummy done lap over my belt or whatever that is. Remember that one? Yeah. Dunlap's disease. My tummy done Dunlap over my belt. Let's see, Texas Agriculture and Mechanical Col Agriculture and Mechanical College of Texas. Cool, mechanical, so you could fix your plow. Yeah, so you can plant with you can plant stuff and fix machines that plant stuff. Yeah, and that's what they were saying. Women couldn't learn to fix the you know, cars, but they could learn how to fix their stove. Cool stuff like that. So it was a kind of a backdoor way to get an education. But back then, also, stoves had three parts. Yeah, exactly. What I really My can't... grandma is still using her stove from 1870 that she carried on her back. I can't... I, <laughs> I, I, I can really try and... fat. I can keep and try and saying, what was the 1800s? They really had low standards for what they thought women could do. But well, boy, once you start studying home economics, you were like... They thought women were less than people with cognitive impairments where they yeah. were bedridden. Oh, are you just, are Your uter- stove has two parts, the wood part and the metal part. Well, our uteruses, were, they would get detached and just float around and make us crazy. Didn't yeah. You, didn't you know that, Jim? Yeah, and that's why, the, <laughs> that's why the people in the ancient world didn't make it because so many of them had the women be farmers because they were involved in fertility and the men just sat around doing nothing. Yeah. 
You wanted to go back to the good old days? Is that what you're saying? I'm, I'm just, I'm, 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 a, I'm a little slut for Paramount Plus. You're like, Whatever I got to do to stay around, that I will. You're like, I'm just the messenger. I mean. <laughs> so have we made our point? The Progressive Era, I think it's the coolest time in history. It really was when all the things that we think of as modern America kind of came into play. We all started going to school. We all started getting an education. Like at the beginning of the Progressive Era, like 3% of the country had a high school education. By the end, 50 to 60 had, well, like by 1900. And that's mostly because the progressive era, they got rid of all that. You have to work 20 hours a day or die. And yeah. we also, and the weekend. for being a good 20, 30 years, we learned a lot. Yes, we did. So there was a lot of things that didn't exist at the beginning that existed towards the end worth learning about, like reading. Yeah, like, it was all about education and science, and it, it was a good time. Got the national parks, all kinds of good shit. Yeah, isn't that when, uh, that's also, like, the era where schools became mandatory. Right, because they couldn't go to the, the progressive movement. It was like, can we get the kids out of the factory? That's not cool. We got rid of, oh, and we got rid of the food industry was scrutinized, because, of course, the, what was that book about the meatpacking? The urban jungle or something? Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Muck raking was a big deal. They were, they would. Anyway, let me start over. What is muck raking? Muck raking was very popular during the Progressive Era. It was termed. It was a term that Roosevelt used to describe investigative journalism, and they were really big on exposing corruption. Because if you think about it, 1880, there was. This is going to sound really odd, but there was a lot of corruption. There was a huge dispar disparity between the rich and the poor, and like people were like dying from being so poor, and they were just being worked to death. I know that doesn't sound like anything we know now. No, people, no one works nowadays. That's right. Oh, Nobody wants to. The muckrakers were the journalists who were stirring this up. Yeah, they okay. were exposing people. There was, at the time, it was the big scandal back then was the Teapot Dome scandal, and that's where, I guess, like government officials were getting paid off by corporations to do things their way. Isn't that horrible? I've never heard of that before. Oh my, my God. God. <laughs> I should have gone into politics. No shit. <laughs> so anyway, this is the, that's why I love the progressive era. Like all the shit that's going on now, we were actually fighting it. <laughs> but I'm getting on my, I told myself I wouldn't get on my pedestal. But that's where home ec came from. Let's make life better for the little people and fuck all the, fuck all the rich people. That are making us work 80 hours a week. They had nothing to do back then. Like, we all look back. <laughs> they didn't like, have Netflix. Oh, this kid is shucking oysters? Oh, or she could go to school where she'll also learn nothing. Yeah, no, okay. Math went up to the number eight back then. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it was like, I run out of fingers, teacher. <laughs> like, like, I always see online You people, work until you have no fingers. That's like, it. People post these pictures. Someone's always posting these pictures in these history groups. I'm on Facebook and Reddit, and there's always someone like, Oh, my gosh. I have a kid that's nine to imagine they had to shuck oysters. It was 1901. Mm-hmm. If they were nine years old, they were already middle-aged. Yeah, did you see? There were toys, toys were made out of paper. I'm not a fan of child labor, but at the same time, they had nothing going for them. Did you see, did you see, uh, it was a couple days ago on Reddit, they had a five-year-old chimney sweep, and he's like, do, and he like, takes his little chimney sweep. The chimney sweeps, that's fucked up, because they all ended up dead. He was little, and he could do his little, yeah. and of course it was like in that 1810 film where they're all like walking super fast, like penguins, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Oh, Lord. But so anyway. Non-chimney sweeps. Child labor, I was okay with up to 1910. Chimney sweeps, horrible industry. Absolutely horrible. Because a kid could fit in the chimney. Yeah. So they were stuck breathing that all in and they died when they were eight. But if you're shucking oysters in 1901, yeah. I don't care. I'm sorry, but Mary <laughs> Poppins made it look like it was fun. That's okay. right. Jim made, Jim made it look fun. Dick Van Dyke can make anything look fun. Spoonful of sugar makes everything go down. What they told me, what Bill Cosby did, if they told me Dick Van Dyke did that, I was like, That's I don't believe it. Like, I might have happened, but I don't think anyone had a bad time. Dick Van Dyke is just so likable. Oh, uh, yeah. Catherine didn't talk this. about sewing instead of Dick Van Dyke, but that's okay. No, no, I'm like, yeah, I think we covered it. So it was like a totally different era. People were like, screw all this corruption. Let's make things better for the everyday person. It was cool. And so home ec, like all these women started learning cool things. And gosh, 
Where are we at now? War, it, oh, in World War One, that's when it really started to take off because I guess the government was worried about people being having food. I guess that's the thing during war. Oh, yeah. People need food. Yeah. And I didn't know this. I always assumed it was mandatory. But, of course, they put in all these food restrictions. But it was volunteer. Yeah, so World we, War One was not too stressful for America. It was. They volu- I say, too, World War I. World War One. No, you said okay. World War One. Okay. Yeah, not too bad. No, it was. We were in there for what a year. Yeah, but last week I kept uh, referring to World War One and World War Two interchangeably with yeah. the coffee episode. So I want to make sure I'm on point with this one. Start calling it the Great War, like you're some. Uh... During one of the mass murder events. Yeah, the first one of the century that that we were all involved in. I'm sure there were others. Spanish War. Anyway. So yeah, World War One came along. I guess it was voluntary that people cut back on food, and they did it. Can you imagine? You know how things are now. We don't volunteer for No. There are people opposed to medicine because of what someone in Target told them. I know. And not a staff member at Target. No. Someone in the frozen food section. <laughs> they're in the frozen food section. They clearly... They, they know what they're talking about. That's right. You know the same science that lets me eat this food 10 months after it was alive? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it works, but not if it's medicine. Absolutely. Yeah, they voluntarily... And I guess HOMEC, they combined, the president called up HOMEC professors and was like, what can we do? And they came up with all these funky recipes. That's We'll get into our two, because this is when it really... Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Come up with the funky recipes. We all have stories about meatloaf and stuff, I'm sure. I don't even want to listen until you start talking about jello molds. And then, <laughs> yeah. then I will listen. Yeah. Oh, and the bridge loafs. Yeah. We're getting there. Like I said, it's, I love how Home Ec started out as this great ideal thing and then like slowly turned into this chain smoking like housewife. But they did things like put some, um, what the word would be, uh, for the, the dress sizes or something. Those yeah. sizes, what, go ahead and say what you would talk about something they did as far as that. Yeah, they really were trying to make life better. However misguided it was, at the World War One is when they really started with teaching people how to cook. They came up with standardized, they had to like, uh, they came up with standardized measurings. Do you know that people just used to just like, you would learn to cook from your mom or your aunt or I don't know. And they would be like, yeah, a handful of flour, a pinch of salt, boom, there you go. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, they were only cooking like one thing. When people talk about the good old days, the yeah. good part did not really exist. Right. It was just the old days. <laughs> yeah. I had a cousin who, when she was trying to perfect a bread recipe that my uh, Polish grandmother had, had made, and she had to find somebody who had hands similar to what my grandmother had passed away or something, because it was. You take a fistful or of something. this. She's dead. She's gone. She's dead. Or something else. Did I say or He's, something? She <laughs> was dead or something. <laughs> she might have ran away. We never knew. No, but anyway. <laughs> She's a zombie. Why is it smelling her room? Don't open the door until she says you can... So was it the bread that we're trying to remake, or was it what killed Grandma, yeah. or caused her to never want to leave her room again? Yeah, that's funny. I didn't realize I said that. So, so uh, small Polish hands to make bread. <laughs> yes, because they weren't measuring things then. Yeah. You know, but then if you watch these people on TV now, they never measure anything. You pour in a little bit of salt. They just they well the one they stick their dirty fingers in the large salt thing, and then they or the sugar well, like salt is sterile. So sugar actually. I still don't want somebody putting their fingers in the uh, the public salt container anyways but so i hear what you're saying and i think they to go back on what you're saying i think they standardized dress sizes As, clothing yes. sizes so they had not done that before really no rich people got clothes and then everybody else wore feed sacks and, and you had somebody make it for you absolutely so right, yeah oh, they're okay. low measure and it's for you weren't we just talking no some friends and i were talking about how in England and everything in the 40s and 50s, you would go and get custom suits made and they would keep your measurements on file. Mm. And, yeah, oh. we overlook how integral the belt was up until the 1950s, where you literally just wore drop cloth, the best way I could describe it, and you wore a belt around you. 
Oh, that's a good point. Well, is it those potato sack bag and dresses that people joke about? Speed sacks. Yeah. But yeah, they would. You had to have a belt around it. Or a rope. Let's face yeah, it. Well, Let's yeah, not get fancy. Uh, it was. To, yeah. You had some sort <laughs> yeah. of string like apparatus. <laughs> yeah. Belt was a very fluid word. Exactly. A switch came, from the willow tree. <laughs> but Homette came along and was like, why don't we just measure you? Yeah. It, they, it was like this. And I love how they were like, they were scientists. These women were like, they were scientists. And they would be like, we're going out and we're. They measured like people all over the country to get the size, and of course they were all starving and living on the people. Were you mean not yeah. the, not the home economics? So it was a very small size, but standardized clothing sizes, and also I guess they also when World War II came along, same thing. But of course it got a little bit more dire. So a lot of the recipes, like how to cook without sugar, how to cook without this ration, how to use this ration started happening and also because the women had to go work they were also they created clothes one of the things that homek they were famous for is creating rompers for children that they could take off and on by themselves so really it was the start of the latchkey kit yeah yeah wow making life easy That's and they right. still didn't have netflix then how did they why <laughs> they had the radio at this point and it was very That's popular true. to have cooking shows on now yeah read through one of my grandma's diaries when she was a kid and uh, she skipped school one day the highlight was uh she'd listen to amos and andy all day while looking out the window oh that's a good day (laughs) that's the equivalent of me watching the prices right and eating sprite or eating saltines and drinking sprite just staring out the window watching people walk by while hearing them make jokes that are so offensive today that they were considered tame back then for people of color that's actually awesome. Oh, gosh. I didn't realize Amos and Andy were off color. They were? Like it was a... Yeah, it was a... Wasn't it like the origin of blackface? What we're going to have to do is we'll have to do an episode on old radio shows. Huh. Yeah. Would not uh, have known that. I was... Oh, this book that talked about, like, the history of home ec, the radio really took off, and it's, it reminded me when she was... The author was talking about these radio shows. They were so popular, and... They, got, they kind of got Instagram famous. People would write them, and they were big deals. Yeah. Yeah. I And they were uh, they would have individuals that were African-American that would host these shows. So in these towns, some of these major cities had somebody who was doing these radio shows that were the audience was the, the stay-at-home woman. Yeah. At that point, everybody was staying at home, but... And that was a big deal because while I'm talking about this history of home ec, it is really just like the white New York tribe teaching the rest of America how to be white and middle class. But there was corollary down in the South. Yeah, Um, home ec was pretty much Protestant, middle class, upper class women Uh that definitely did not work. Right, yeah. yeah, The whole goal was to like make everyone self-sufficient and get them fed and healthy. We did take care of Barry Barry in the South, and they came up with the RDA, recommended daily allowance what? and all of that. But it really was like, oh yeah, and then there's black people, you can do your own thing. And luckily they did. But they did. did have some black um, they did. radio it, people. Yeah, so they would it talk. It was like corollary. Yeah. They would all were also doing home ec, but they were on their own. Well, what I read is that the for the African Americans, so they were being uh, presented with information on if you had a job working in somebody's home, cleaning and cooking for them, as well as your own. So I thought that was just an interesting differentiation. So for the working woman who was doing homework, home jobs. Yeah, and after World War II is where it really started to go down south, where they just was like, apparently after World War II, uh, there was a lot of defunding. They created the Food and Drug Administration, so they didn't need all these like pesky women telling them what to do. And then also, what else? Oh, a lot of women just went into, you didn't need to be in home ec, major in home ec in college to take a science course. It was cool now. Mm-hmm. So, oh, I want to take chemistry. Great, take chemistry. So there really wasn't a need anymore. 
And so it became like this, the people that did take home ec, they wanted to get, go there to, as Jim would say, get their MRS degree. That stands for Mrs. That's right. <laughs> Find yourself a man who yeah. can provide. But anyway. One of the sources I read said that for African-American women who got the home economics degree, there weren't jobs presented for them. Absolutely. So they were being shunned out of the, maybe well, not. Well, there weren't jobs for anyone that got the home economics degree. Yeah, but even Actually. much less for them. And there were, so why get this degree when you can't get a job? Well, the thing is where there was, this is kind of a, where there were jobs were in the private commercial sector, basically selling cake mixes and appliances to... Housewives. Sometimes so I'm just so tired of mixing stuff, but this Cuisinart 6000 will get it done. Oh, Jim, <laughs> I'm having a dinner party tonight, and I'm not sure I know what to do. Well, you could make meringue, but you only have eight hours. Oh, no, Jim. <laughs> but with the Cuisinart 6000, you can whip up eggs in five minutes. Oh, I, thank you. Now oh. all the neighbors will think, where's the colored that cooks all your food? And you're like, I did it myself. All by myself. <laughs> Let them think you're rich. Yeah. Cuisinart. Cuisinart. <laughs> Not available until... <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. No, there's all those little stipulations didn't come around until the 80s. Yeah. Don't we were still plugs. <laughs> That's right. So where are we at? Yeah, so all these women got jobs in, like, the private sector, creating the Toll House Cookie, the Butterball Hotline, the, um, what, the gas stove is going to change your life and make your man love you, and you'll never be late for dinner again. Shit. Yeah. That really made America what it is today. I'm trying to think what else. Definitely. Yeah. Did you want, oh, sp- a little uh, preview for our next episode. Do you know why they called it Toll House Cookies? Why? Because it was from this house where they collected tolls on the turnpike and they would give people cookies. No shit. Are you serious? Yeah. But where did they get the elves? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was even called the Toll House Inn. And then, yeah, they just had these amazing cookies that people would uh, get as they were paying their toll going through the turnpike. That's pretty amazing, too. Like, you had to stop at this place. Right now, we're, like, flying through and getting it scanned. They had to stop at a house. How quaint. How cute. (laughs) Which, yeah, especially, like, back when they had canals, if you did not have the toll to pay, your boat just didn't move. Aw. As did all the boats behind you. They were not nice back then. So does anyone have any home ec stories? I have my mom. She went to The Ohio State back in 19... I think it was... University, for all of you that were wondering if it was something else. The Ohio State, which, of course, from the progressive era, started as a farm school, but is now pretty... The Ohio State University. They still do have a wonderful farm program. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. But my... (laughs) So my favorite... Of course, we were looking at colleges. I didn't want to go to Ohio State because it was too close to home. But she's like, you have to stay in Ohio. But anyway, I went to Bowling Green. But um, she got her degree in chlamydia. That's right. Because <laughs> that's a minor. Up there with Arizona State University, <laughs> Bowling Green is leading the realm in antibiotic-resistant medication studies. No, we have our fruit flies. We have the largest fruit fly selection. Now, is it true? But there is a rumor that BG has a big STD problem, or is that just? Something? I think that's the true for every school. That's it. no, but no, it's big on college level stand. No, I think that's like, you know how everyone has the, my school, my town is the first to get bombed after New York City. I think it's one of those. Because every college campus is a small community where, yes, STDs can go, can spread like wildfire. At least that's what my sociology you, you, you professor bought, told me. You, you, you bought the uh, propaganda they gave you at your school. <laughs> that's right. Ohio. Now, granted, this is an article by... Bowling Green State University. See? But they are saying they are not the STD capital of the world. See? I'm telling you. (laughs) It is biased media because it's from them. Fake news. So whatever, yeah. Some people say. They're like, out of the 3,000 universities in America, we're only 56 in STD, so we're not that. Okay, we're in the top 5%, but we're not the number one. It is definitely one of those. It's not like Ohio State where there is an actual town. Sure, there's a town, but... 
I'd say 90% of the population is students. Yeah, it's, so. it's, it is one of the... Income. It's the yeah. middle of nowhere, so it really is a legit college town. Yeah, it really is. So, where were we going with this? Oh, so my favorite story my mom told me. So we're driving around Ohio State. She's like, yeah, you can go here. Here's the home ec building. The only D I ever got, I guess what she did, is she grew up with electric, but of course there was this big move in the 60s to make gas a thing. That's a whole other story. And so... We heard, I, we heard about how your grandma's house exploded. Yeah, I'm telling you. So she apparently caught the uh, home economics building on fire. And like I said, I love when we drove by the building and she just said bitterly, like, only D I ever got. <laughs> because she put it on, she on fire? She caught the building on fire. Yeah. <laughs> I guess the, the, yeah. So she cooked with electric. She was a big fan of electric. That's my favorite one of her. And then she said at one point she was in school and she remembers learning how to peel a grapefruit and like... Why the hell am I here? So that was one of her things. Yeah, I think depending on how your parents raised you, home ec could either be the easiest A you ever have, mm-hmm. or you're going to have to work. See, my mom taught me. She, my I love cooking, um, and I do. And I know how to put on a button and everything, and how to organize my closets and all that. I'm a happy homemaker. I do. I like that shit. But I grew up with my mom. This is how you do it. This oh, yeah, is how that you was clean a life toilet. Growing up. Yeah, and there's a way to clean a toilet. Yeah, go from the least amount of bacteria to the most amount of bacteria and that yeah so anyway she taught me she's like if you know chemistry you can cook so that's, that's true yeah molecular gastronomy and she would fix her own dryer and she did teach me how to you know do all that good stuff she was pretty awesome yeah but she didn't let you go to ohio state i said i'm not going to ohio state oh you said you're not going to ohio i want to get away from you but anyway did you collect any did you collect any stories? I got... How is it now? Well, your friend Melissa. Oh, you know what? Let me just real quick. I just want to mention here, since you did some of the historical stuff, that in the 50s, this was actually in Ohio, the Columbia Gas Company, they had a home economics employee named was Sheila Castle-Rarin. I'm not sure. But anyway, she identified herself as Betty Newton. And there were multiple women who went by this alias, Betty Newton, and they would do presentations in schools, in homes. They would even come to your home and talk to you about ways to use your gas stove. And if you had trouble with it, they would either fix it, which they were very skilled at doing that, and or they would take this back to the company. So they got some firsthand information on what about these stoves these women like. But these Betty Newtons were individuals who helped women, again, in in large settings or in individual ones, on various things related to cooking and managing your home. So isn't that interesting? Yeah. Yeah, so that was, uh, I thought, kind of interesting. See, and that was, and you needed a degree. Like, they would, the women had to have degrees to get that Betty Newton, and they were proud of it. They were saying, like, that even in the obituaries, you could see, like, this woman was a Betty Newton, and yeah. it was her... She was very proud of it. Which, until we started reading about this, I had never heard of that. So, I obviously, the people that would have they would have done that to were way before my time. So, yeah. anyways, interesting. And I loved home economics. One thing I did learn from it that I never liked doing was having bread that you have to use yeast to rise. I, I thought, why am I doing that? <laughs> it is time-consuming, isn't yes, it? Yes, I'm not doing that. But I did love <laughs> sewing and um, all of that good stuff. Yeah, I, I thought it was, there was a lot I learned that I didn't know I learned until later in life. I will say, though, that I have a friend of mine, her name is Melissa, and uh, she teaches in uh, high school in Akron, and she they call it what she just said earlier, family and consumer science. She said when the, anytime that there is an economic problem in the schools, they cut things, the electives, such uh. as what we would call home ec. She gave me some of the information about what she does, because it's way beyond just the cooking and sewing. So she teaches child development. One of the things that the students can do is they get a about a 10-pound baby doll, mm. and they have a sensor that they put on their arm attached to the baby. So it's not like you can have your parents babysitting the baby. You are really assigned to care for this infant uh, a doll for the weekend, and how fascinating that is. I bet that helps with birth control. She teaches budget. I've been to where she teaches. It does not help. <laughs> and the, and the, no one's allowed to talk about the birth control with the way the... Schools are set up now. Oh, it could be, yes. How do you do that on the side? But she said one of the things she did that she'll have an entire project where whatever the minimum wage is going at that particular point, the students have to live on that monthly income. And they're not allowed, and they're they're not like actually going to uh, an apartment or anything, but... 
So they're not allowed to use, you know, the social security, the health card. So she said students will come in and they'll go, I have to pay for my shampoo. The girls are like, I have to pay for my own, you know, feminine hygiene products. And they're like, yeah, you've got to. So as though they are living this life. So it's interesting. Teaches them how to, how to move out of the house. How do you find an apartment? Do you get renter's insurance? How do you buy a car? Do you? You should get renter's insurance. So many people don't. They don't leave it open-ended. Should you spend $8 a month to protect all your stuff? But yeah. so many people, they don't take the people class. People don't think they about don't, it. Yeah. 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 My so, brother got his Wii stolen because he didn't have insurance. Ugh. No, the insurance didn't reimburse him. Right. It had nothing to do with it being stolen. Yeah. You had to, like, yeah. It was considered a vehicle and you had to get its own insurance. It was, like, $50 for a year. Anyway, go yeah. ahead. And she, she commented <laughs> that she, like what you had, Kat, is that learned how to, to manage your, your taxes. Right. So... This is a course that I think should be mandatory for everyone. How do you come out knowing how to set up a checkbook? How do you handle apartment living, house living, etc.? She also said that there is an organization that her school is a part of, and it's called Family, Career, and Community Leaders of America. So the FCCLA, and um, I looked them up on YouTube, very interesting, and they wear these red jackets. If you are, if you've gone to the national level, you, you do whatever your project is, and you keep winning until you get to the national level. So she was telling me that one of the, a couple of her students have gotten to the point that they possibly could go to San Diego Ooh. for this, yeah, for this national conference that's coming up in June. And nice. um, I mean, like, the one student is going to do like a mini TED talk on ADHD and women. Her part of this is on the professional presentation. Another student that she has is doing it in the section repurposing and redesigning. In other words, how do you take things that need to be re- recycled but make them usable as opposed Absolute. to just putting them Upscaling. in that trash? Yes, nice. there you go. And when you um, look at these videos, um, amazing, and a lot of it is focused on learning about leadership, being the leaders of your peers. I thought that was just fascinating that they're doing that. One of the projects she's talking about, I'm not sure it relates to the FCLA, but she said last November, they, the students that were involved in this home economics, like, there I am, I'm Sam Old Fashioned, family and consumer science. They presented a meal to the various homeless children that were somehow involved within their school system. 14 turkeys they made and the side dishes. Nice. Well, that's, that that's is, an education. And there's only two teachers that were helping to supervise this. Yeah. She said she feels she's very lucky that there's another one. She mentioned quite a few other schools in the area and how they have a teacher. And some of them didn't even have any. They're all uh, subject to the, the levies don't pass and mm-hmm. things are getting tight. Mm-hmm. That possibly this is one of the electives that go out. And I said, are you getting many guys in? And she said, oh, yeah. She said one of her, one of her classes... It's like 14 uh, boys that are doing this. So I thought that was all wonderful that it is something that is co-ed now and acceptable to be co-ed. Yeah, Yeah, and considering that we just ended tax season, I I was really surprised they didn't see any. They never taught us how to do tax forms. And, well, yes, they did. Yeah. Yeah. So I... But also taxes are not hard to do. No, they are not. We had this conversation. (laughs) Because I remember like back in the 80s, they changed it to where if you have an eighth grade math and reading comprehension level, you should be able to do it. My mom had me check her taxes. I'm like, yeah, this is nothing. Let's subtract this, add this, burp, burp. Yeah. Yeah, Unless you own a business. Yeah, exactly. Taxes are, they're halfway done for you by just putting your name on it. That's right. Yeah. Anyway. And if you have difficulty, you go to TurboTax. So whatever. There's all kinds of great things that can help you do your own taxes. Check our promo code in the description to Tax get Act 10% up. off your taxes <laughs> next year. Or not, because we really haven't reached out to them to see if we could. But. Yeah. <laughs> TaxAct.com is free, and you can also just go to your local tax department at your state, and I will help you. If you have, yeah. Or even your library. They can't help you. They can only give you the forms. They're very clear. Just read the form. Where do I put my name? I am not allowed to tell you that. That's (laughs) right. But it's spelled (laughs) N-A-M-E. In capital letters. So I quizzed people about what they learned in home ec. Stacy, who is a Gen Xer in Wisconsin and a lawyer, she made stuffed animals and a t-shirt. And she made some quick breads and eggs. She also remembers learning how to to measure with Worcestershire sauce. I think she just wanted to hear me say that on a freaking... <laughs> yep. She has now quit her law practice <laughs> to solely make bread out of her bathroom based off of a video she saw on TikTok. Some kind of Japanese delicacy. Yes. Jesus help me. Napolitan. 
which is noodles mixed with ketchup and chopped up hot dogs. Which is a conjugation of nap, half of Nippon, which is Japan, (laughs) and litan, which is Italian. Wow. Which basically... Lisa, are you hearing this? This is... Wow. After World War II in Mm -hmm. Yokohama, Mm -hmm. allegedly, Mm -hmm. there was a chef at a hotel, and he was like, you know what's rare here? Ketchup. Do you know what people like? Noodles. Okay. okay. I'll mix them. Yeah. I've heard about this for years and always thought it was a Great Depression mm-hmm. thing because they would make tomato soup by just putting ketchup in water. But no, this is a Japanese invention. It is considered a delicacy in multiple places around the world. And let's be honest. We've all had ketchup. We like it. We know it doesn't taste bad even though we've never had it. Heinz tastes good. Hunts can go. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, most things do taste well with a hot dog. And let's face it, if you got all that garbage food in a hot dog, yum. Yeah, but like, imagine Imagine going to a four-star hotel in Tokyo. Imagine you're going going on vacation in a country that five years ago was rubble. And you're like, let's go to Japan. I feel like Italian, Get some sushi. We'll go to the hotel. We know it's brand new because my uncle bombed it, the old one. So we'll go. We'll go. And they get there and they're like, we are... uh, you know, the war. Everyone's dead. So all we really got is ketchup and noodles. Jesus. And a hot dog. Yay. And then someone left a hot dog. Wow. And, and you know it's not top shelf. Japanese people look at us and are like, they eat ramen noodles. Yeah, they're like, we like love our ramen noodles. Like ramen noodles is like, if you have a French fry in America, it is that to your massive, wonderful meal. And then... It's, it's Japan. It's gas station French fries. Is that yeah. what you're saying? Yeah, pretty much. You don't <laughs> so really you're get Japanese people aren't eating ramen noodles. Well, they're eating, but it's a small part of this massive oh, dish. Like yeah. you get the noodles to go with your meat and veggie. That's why you go to the restaurant. And you're like, why are you charging me fifteen dollars for ramen noodles? I'm like, ma'am, it's actually more than the noodle. Yeah, <laughs> it's a thing now where people are like dressing up their ramen noodles to with like eggs and stuff, like trying to make it traditional instead of just. I like my ramen noodles. Oh. I'm in de- depressed in a corner. <laughs> but they did teach us, because we didn't have an actual home ec program at my school, just cooking classes. They taught us some amazing life hacks for ramen noodles. They said if you want to do it more like a spoon way, you mash them. And then you put the noodles in the hot water, and then you can eat it with a spoon. Jesus. Oh. There was a whole day. There was a whole day of this. It was this a whole day. <laughs> Because when, because when you don't have a dedicated home economics program, you're taking these things that they would normally teach in like two weeks, and you spread it out over an 18-week semester in high school. Did so you? They, I'm sorry. Go ahead. So they're getting to the bottom of the barrel. Like, they taught us how to make those Pillsbury things from the oven, the rolls that you get at the Crescent store. Crescent rolls. That was a day dedicated oh to those. Did you learn how to make grilled cheese on an iron? <laughs> yes. If you want, Jim, I on can electric, show you on how. An electric stove. <laughs> What else could, can we teach them? A lot of people didn't take cooking because... Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The class fees were like 150 bucks because you had oh, to buy the all the ingredients. That's bullshit. Oh, so a wow. lot of kids didn't take it. That's bullshit. Anyway, that, I'm, I'm breathing. That's I'm not because be the money today. was going to the football team. That's now, right. On, yeah, we won three games over four years. <laughs> Thank God, right? And they're like, we're a brotherhood. We've been through something no one else has been through. All the kids older than us are fighting in Iraq, but... Yeah. But we're the real heroes. And they needed to know how to cook ramens and all that shit over... Well, mind you, they needed to spend the money, too, so that the band could buy another trombone or tuba or something. I'm supportive of that, but I don't understand why the home economics or the family and consumer science could not have ponied up for their own money well, and, was, oh, yeah. and those mres that they were eating were created by home ec majors yeah but you talked about there was a bread company in the town that did some type of a, an educational program do you want to describe what that was about they weren't part of the home ec program but yeah they would go with all the science classes 
as they were learning about whatever, just growing plants and give them over eight weeks, go through the whole process with making bread. That's cool. Starting with wheat, and then they would bake the bread for us once it was all done, and we would eat our own bread. Well, you That's know, it's awesome. interesting when you told me what company it was that did that. Great Harvest Bread, nationwide company, great people. They support a bunch of charities. They go out of the way to hire prisoners because nice. they want to give them a good shot. And they get a over. tax well, kickback. And it's oh. interesting that you mentioned their name is because uh, when I was talking to the, the gentleman that owned the franchise in, in the town, and he was taking his stuff to Haiti. They were teaching the individuals down there how to become independent bread makers. I don't know Amazing. if they were actually going to have the franchise, but the amount of stuff that they were teaching in this you know, community that had greatly been affected by hurricanes and whatever was amazing. So I didn't realize that the whole company does that kind of stuff as well. Huh? Yeah, it's a very charity-driven company. They wow. uh, limit their franchises, so they're all so far away from each other. They cannot be their own competition. They really okay. are... Uh, Bottom to top, taking care of people type company. That is so refreshing, isn't it? Sorry. The franchise owner's son told me the earth was surrounded by a bubble of water and it popped when God was mad. And that's how the earth flooded and Noah had an ark because it was a bubble that God popped with a pen. Jim, I wanted oh, one moment of hope that's for you. so cute. Jim, I wanted they, they one. Were, they were pretty religious. There's no doubt. Okay. But they did go help out people in Hawaii, in Haiti, not Hawaii, Haiti. Yeah, pretty. It's, it is just pretty. And I will tell you that there are apple, cinnamon, Rolls. There's a woman at, at work. I had brought some in a while back, and every time she sees me, did you bring in any of those rolls? Did you bring in any of that bread? I'm like, I didn't bring it in. Yet. Go to your store for yeah. sure. Of course, I'm wiping, <laughs> taking it out of my teeth. No, not yet. You know. But Jim, I had a glimmer of hope there in society. Thanks for taking it away by telling me that story about the the bubble sun. Well, that's a beautiful story. It's a... it's okay. <laughs> you know okay. what? I'm not saying the earth did not flood you and Noah what? had an ark, but if somebody tells you that and you're like. I get it. Yeah. I get it now. <laughs> Fuck you, Dawkins. Prove this wrong, you piece of shit. If you're that type of person, yeah. I don't want your bread. That's right. Oh, yeah. Ownership change, though. But still. Good to know. <laughs> well, Emily, she was the, I think she was one of the only millennials I talked to. Super cool. I love her. In 2006, she was going to an alternative school for at-risk youth, and she got to take home ex. She learned to sew... She cooked pasta, and she learned to write and use checks. So she's basically the only girl in this country under the age of 30 that knows, maybe like under 35, that 40 maybe, who knows how to write a check. Do we, have a, do we have a 41? Do we have a 42? <laughs> I can write a check, and I'm 47. That's about it. Now, going off on a quick... Jim, can you write a check? Going off, on, <laughs> going off on a quick critical race theory type tangent. Mm. Seems like everything we learn in home economics mm -hmm. and everything that seems to be a core aspect of critical race theory... I at least think I learned once in school. <laughs> like, they taught us checks in elementary school. They taught us how to cook, even outside of the cooking class. Mm -hmm. Even taxes we did one year in the eighth grade. Good for you. But so, I think... But I think... But that just might have been my district. I think so, because it's really, like, all about passing this stupid test now. And yeah. But then again... No, if you know the stuff, the test isn't stupid. You're stupid. Well, and these poor... Oh, yeah. Anyway... That's a whole nother story, right? <laughs> this uh, education in America. But yeah, so and, uh, I did a lot of... My neighbor, Mike, who makes the best smokes meat, smoked meats in the county and has a food truck. Award-winning meat smoker. Wonderful. He learned to cook and sew and he loved... I think so. He was like the guy. He was the only guy that responded to my, hey, did you take home Mac? And yeah, amazing food he makes. And then Barb, she was a boomer. Do you remember this? She learned posture and how to stand straight. Do you remember? Did you do anything like that? No, I had to go to Montgomery Ward's. I can't even remember the name of it where you would learn all that stuff. Yes, Montgomery oh, Ward's had some course. My mom taught, taught me because she was a home ec yeah. nerd. Oh, well. I have to go to school at the store. Can't play today. Yeah. <laughs> but it was Montgomery Ward, so yes. it was pretty awesome. Yeah, it was yeah. fancy. Danielle, I missed this day. I must have taken the day off. She learned how to properly wash dishes. I, I admit oh, that I have a little bit of a problem. <laughs> Uh, every roommate or spouse I've ever had has had a real problem with my dishes. So The brush side goes on the dish. Yeah, I think so. You know what I found out from a lot of people? That if your mother was a working mom, you know, that the kid learned how to wash dishes, cook food. Absolutely. You, 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 when your kid went off to college, they were somewhat prepared. If they 
ended up being the kid that babysat in the neighborhood. The parent would come home and the, the kitchen would be clean. Mm -hmm. I remember saying to some kids that had babysat in my house who had moms that were stay-at-homes, and I'd say, is the pizza been out the whole time? Is this, do, do you put food away in your house? My mom does. So oh, I found wow. that when I had my friends who were all fellow nurses, their kids were used to having a mom who made them independent to some degree. Yeah, yeah. that's true. My mom was a nurse, but so yeah, you're right. There's something about teaching your kid to be independent. I have seen for some women who are stay-at-home moms, um, they want to justify that they need to be stay-at-home moms. Yeah. So their high school kid is still has a mother that's making their lunch for them, cooking and cleaning, doing their laundry, because it justifies them being at home. You're not preparing your kid to go away to college. And if there's any disagreement on that, please address that to Kat, not to me. That's right. <laughs> I do remember I was like going, I was at the grocery store, and there was this poor like 18-year-old kid and he's, he had a box of cooking utensils and everything, and he's, I don't know what to do. And I'm like, what do you like to eat? And you only need a spoon for ramen noodles. Yeah. So he's, he's assertive enough to just talk to a stranger at the store. He, he, but won't <laughs> Google spoon. I know. He, was, he had like this deer in headlights, and I have this mom aura, even though I don't know why. I just have always had that mom aura, and people, I don't know what it's to do. It's that apron you wear. That's right. Jim... <laughs> There, I'm having a party tonight, and I don't know what to cook. What should I do? Have you tried spoons? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my mom Is was... Is that that Negro music? <laughs> yeah, my mom was very clear with me. She was like, based on your personality, you're going to have to learn how to cook. <laughs> it's going to help. Does your wife cook? <laughs> no, not, my wife does not cook too much. She's great at desserts. She eats well, though. Right. Yeah, we all think I'm editing this out. Nope, I'm keeping it in. <laughs> all right, I think we've talked about as I much as we, we can. we have home-backed enough. Thanks, so, everyone. Email me all your quibbles. Yeah, and if you uh, need to justify being a stay-at-home or not-at-home mom, Send it to Kat, address it to Anna. <laughs> <laughs> I will let her know. Links in the description and uh, stay tuned instantly or come back in a week for our episode on the origins of idioms and unique words in the English language. That's right. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Bye.